0: Amen. We trust that you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's so good to see each of you here this morning. And certainly there's those that, are, that we're praying for, for God to continue to minister to them, to their families. They're missed when they're not here, as each and every one of you are. But I know that God is doing great things in this hour. Amen. And I'm very thankful to be a part of it. If you'll turn with me in the Bible this morning in the book of Luke chapter 23, I had a Friday morning, I had woke up very early, my intentions were to go sit in the deer stand, the Lord began to deal with me, I had three different thoughts on my heart and couldn't get settled in one of them but I believe I believe that God began to speak to my heart early Friday morning and I knew that I had to obey the Lord and stay home and allow Him to speak through me, and so I believe that I have the word for this morning that God wants me to share. And I believe that every part of the service has went in that direction to confirm that. Because still, I wrestled throughout the last couple of days just trying to make sure I was settled on what the Lord wanted to say this morning. I believe this is a very simplistic, me- sim- simple message this morning, but that's all right. Amen. God wants to speak to our hearts through the very simple things. And I know that this morning, if you see this cross here in front of us, amen, I had had asked Brother Chris Helms if he would, would put together a cross because I wanted to use it this morning as part of the message just so that the focus of this word, I'm going to be preaching on the cross this morning. I just want you to get a visual, amen, and I want us to talk about the cross. And I know we've had crosses in here before, Amen. I won't ever forget a message that Brother Jared preached. Amen. I don't know if you remember or not, but many people brought things that was wrote on a piece of paper and nailed it to the cross. Amen. The things that were besetting us. I remember I preached a message uh, last, sometime back last year about um, um, things that were causing us to be, to be easily beset in sin and things that we would continue to fall into the same type of thing over and over again that, that morning that many people brought those things through the spirit amen brought them and laid them at the foot of the cross that day and put them on the cross and said no longer will i be bound by these things amen and and i believe that there's great significance in those in those type of messages that sometimes that god just leads us in a direction that wants us to 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 do things like that and i just know this morning amen that if we'll pay, pay attention and be very Revelant to the Lord and the message that God wants to bring forth. I believe He's going to talk to our hearts. Amen. I know I need His help this morning, so I want you to pray with me. Amen. Before we get started, if you would, would you stretch your hand this way and let's just go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Amen. Father God, we need you so much this morning. Lord, we need your touch, God. Father, surely. You have already moved. We have felt your presence, God, as it has been in this house so very strong once again, God. And we're very thankful for that presence, God. We do not take it for granted, God. But we realize, God, that in the presence of the Lord, God, miracles take place, God. Lord, the manifestations of your Spirit, God, take place in your presence, God. And we're grateful for that this morning. God, once again, we pray for those, Lord, that we miss this morning that are sick, that are not able to be with us, God and we believe that you're supernaturally have already touched them God and we're trusting and believing this morning God that you're going to heal all of those God that we've brought up to prayer this morning God now this morning God as we get ready to bring your word forth Lord we ask God that you would move in a supernatural way God Lord that you would watch over your word God Lord that it would not go out and return void but God that you would watch over it God in the name of Jesus God let it speak to our hearts and our minds. Lord, I come against every stronghold, every demonic spirit that would cause us to look elsewhere while the word is being preached, God, and I pray that the simplicity of this gospel, Lord, would go forth this morning and change somebody's heart and life for the greater glory of eternity. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody said amen. Amen. If you'll look with me now, Stan will read in the book of Luke, chapter number 23, I'm going to read verses 13 through 25. Verses 13 through 25. And the title of this message this morning is Crucify Him, Crucify Him. Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the, and the people, he said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you have accused him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sinned unto him. And lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. And I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of necessity he must release one of them that are at the feast. But the people cried, out all at once saying away with this man and release unto us Barabbas who for a certain sedition made in the city and for a murderer who was cast into prison. Pilate therefore willing to release Jesus spake unto them and said but they cried saying crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in this man. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison and they desired that he delivered Jesus to their will. Thank you for standing this morning. You may be seated. So here we find in the gospel of Luke we read this story and we think about what was just said in the word of God and here this man was presented before the leaders in that time amen to stand a trial to see if anything was to be brought worthy for him to be suffered a death on a crucial cross of Calvary and nothing could be brought to the place that made it look like that he needed to be crucified amen but what was said from the people was as they yelled and they said crucify him crucify him. I've come to tell you this morning church that still today in this world as we look across this world, across this country, across the church and even across our lives many times that's what we say today is crucify him crucify him. It may not come out of our mouths verbally amen. but our actions speak louder than our words many times and the things that we do though we call ourselves Christians and we tag Christianity to our name we say I'm a saved person I go to this church, I'm a leader I do that, I teach Sunday school I'm a part of what God's doing but yet when we go out and we commit actions throughout the day or throughout our week we say crucify him crucify him and though Jesus is no longer upon this cross hanging there, thank God that he's not because one day amen when they took him down they laid him in a tomb and three days later he was raised again amen and he died for your sins and mine and he's no longer hangs there but what we do when we come to an altar and we get saved we get born again and we go out and then we do the things that we want to do continuously that are against the word of God guess what we do we slap this hand of Jesus right here and we drive a nail with a hammer into that hand and we pierce those hands again and we say what you did on Calvary for me wasn't good enough I'm gonna put you back up on that cross and I'm gonna crucify you again and then we swing this other hand around And we get our hammer and our nail and we say, that wasn't enough, Jesus. And we begin to drive the nails into his hands again and we crucify him all over again because of what he did on Calvary all those years ago just wasn't good enough for us. Why does Jesus, why does the world continue to crucify him today? Why does the church continue to crucify Jesus today? Why do you and I, continue to crucify Jesus today you may say to yourself I would never do that not me no sir but if you remember Peter was very brave and he told Jesus that I'll never deny you Jesus but later we learn amen that Peter was a liar a liar three times a denier as our brother would say when he comes and preaches but out of our mouth many times we say the same thing we say "Jesus." Jesus, I'm gonna make a vow to you. I'll follow you. I'm gonna never turn my back on you. I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna live for you. I would never be one of those ones. Yet we walk out these doors many times, and we pick up our old sin nature, and we go back to living any old way that we want to live, and we put Jesus back on the cross. We take the words that come out of our mouth, just as Peter did, and we say it wasn't enough for me, Jesus. I'm going to live how I want to live in the face of adversity, church. But Jesus is telling us, amen, that what he said on that day, it is finished. It was enough, church, for you and I, and it should be finished in our lives. Amen. Did Jesus ever do anything that you read about in the Bible to deserve to be hung upon a cross and to be crucified? I want to ask you that this morning. Is there anything that you've ever read, Pastor Jared, in the Word of God that tells you that he deserved what he went through, amen? But you know what? He was willing to lay his life down because he realized that there had to be an atonement for sin, amen? He realized that there was going to be some people that walked on this earth that needed a Savior, amen? He knew that every person, amen, that ever was born would have to come to the place that they had to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You see, the problem with America today is we think for some reason that just because we're born in America that we're automatically grafted in somehow. That we're just saved. I know who Jesus is. So that's good enough, right? No, that's not good enough, church. Just because you know who he is don't mean that you know him in a personal relationship, in an intimate way. Amen. There's come, we've come to the place that just knowing who Jesus is and a story about him is good enough anymore. That's not the case, church. That's not what Jesus desires. That's not the relationship that he's looking for. Jesus never did anything through the Word of God that I can find that says he deserved that crucifixion, that terrible, terrible day. But aren't you glad that he was willing to pay the price for your sins and mine? Aren't you glad? He was willing to pay. Let's look back for just a moment. Some of the things in his life, amen, that Jesus did. Jesus in his, early in his ministry he was baptized in the river of Jordan. Amen. He goes to a wilderness and fasts and prays for 40 days. He teaches in a synagogue and his fame begins to spread across Jerusalem. He calls 12 men, 12 disciples and he begins to pour his life out of him and into them. Amen. He turns water into wine in Cana of Galilee and makes a heavenly mixture. Amen. He cleanses lepers and he heals blind people. Amen. Jesus heals a withered hand and raises up a dead man. You see, he never did anything worthy of being crucified. All I can find throughout the Bible is miracles of what he did do. All I can find is his love spreading abroad. He cast out devils. He forgave a sinful woman at a well. He calmed a storm on the sea. He healed a woman with an issue of blood. He raised up a daughter of Jairus that was dead he told his followers to pray to love to forgive to turn the other cheek to help others in need which of these might I ask you this morning is worthy of a crucifixion none none of them but when I look across this house this morning I see a bunch of people in here that love this man called Jesus. I can look across here and I can think back across the lives of many people sitting in here. Some of us, amen, might have had other problems and other issues. I know that there's a lot of people that come to this church and they say, well, there's nothing but a bunch of ex-drug addicts up there preaching. There's nothing but a bunch of ex-drug addicts in there, but that's not the only testimonies we've got. We've got people in this house, amen, that follow Jesus. most of their life but guess what when they was lost uh, without jesus as their savior they was just as lost as a a drug addict or a sinner an adulterer or anything else amen because when we're lost uh, without a savior when we don't have jesus christ in our life we're still going to a place called hell amen if we don't get saved and born again before it's eternally too late you see, there is no person that's any worse than another. But thank God we have got some ex-drug addicts uh, that's still ex-drug addicts uh, so that people can look and say, you know what? I can go to that church there and relate to somebody. We got some people in here that's never been that bad. Amen. But they were still sinners and people can say, I can go there. I can go there and be a part of that. Amen. Aren't you glad? Amen. I believe this is a heavenly mixture in here this morning. Amen. We got a mixture of every person, of every kind, of every flavor, and we're all headed to the same heaven because we was washed in the same blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because he was willing to die on a cross of Calvary for you and for me and our sins. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I'm thankful this morning for that cross. I can tell you, the cross has been it's been just you know, we look at we look at people. We wear crosses around our neck, Brother Michael and a lot a lot of crosses have still got Jesus on there and, and we, we wear these crosses and man you can talk to that person. That be lost his last year's Easter egg. He, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. See my cross? That cross can't save you. Only when you come to the realization of the story behind this cross and the man behind this cross and the power of this cross can you become truly saved. Just because you wear a cross around your neck don't you make you saved no more than it does the next person down the road. We got a whole wall of crosses in our house. But guess what? Without the blood of Jesus applied to my life and my wife's life, it doesn't make us saved. All it is is a wall full of crosses. I thank God for this cross, church. But I come to tell you, there's no power just in a cross around your neck or on the walls. The power's through the man that died and bled upon a cross. And his name is Jesus And I can tell you this, this morning, he desires each and every person under the sound of my voice this morning to love on them and to make you feel like you're the most important person in the world. Amen, this morning. Jesus died for you. He died for you as much as he did for this old ex-drug addict, as much as he did for the pastor of this church and anybody else here. But Jesus desires to change your life. You see, there's all types of people in this house this morning. We've witnessed with our very eyes a transformation that's taken place in lives of people that were lost before they come to know this Jesus. Amen. I can look at you, Dom, with you hand up this morning. And I'm thankful for what God's done in your life, brother. You can testify about a marriage that was lost before Jesus got involved. But I can tell you me and my wife could raise our hand this morning and tell you we'd be divorced without God in our lives this morning, church. That's how important Jesus is to me, amen. I can tell you he'll put together a relationship that's broken, broken, busted, and disgusted. Don't mean anything to the Jesus that I serve because one drop of the blood applied to your life can fix every problem it'll make every devil run and hide if you'll fall on your face before Jesus and cry out to him this morning he loves you he loves you and I this morning when we look at Jesus' life we see so many wonderful things why would anyone want to kill him even more so when we think about our lives and what Christ Jesus has done for us why would we want to kill him this morning why would we want to kill him? Hebrews 6 and 6 says this this morning. If they shall fall away to renew them again who repent, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to death in open shame. You see, that word fall away there, I've always looked at that scripture a little bit different, but you can break that scripture down even like this. To fall away means to fall from the path of duty, to fall from the path that you've been chosen to walk, to fall to the side and even abandon the faith. So not only walking away from God for good, but I'm talking about living a sinful life and trying to please God at the same time that's what he's literally talking about he says when you do that listen to me when you fall away when you fall to the side when you come again to repentance if you don't repent see you're crucifying him you're crucifying Jesus the son of God afresh and you're putting him to open shame for everybody to see because all your friends that you say I go to church and I serve the Lord and then you crucify Jesus in front of them when you're living in your sin You're bringing Jesus to an open shame every time we do that. That's why the Bible warns us, amen, not to allow these things to happen, to continue to fall. You know, it's important that when we mess up, to fall up on our knees and on our faces and repent before God. As the Word said this morning, the Holy Ghost spoke in this house. This morning and said, I'm calling my church, amen, I'm calling the house of God to a place of repentance again. It's important, church, that we stay with a repentant heart. To fallen away, we've got to come back. We possibly, amen, when we fall away into sin, we become the ones that nail Jesus to the cross openly. We nail him afresh and anew. We put him to open shame. You see, before Jesus' arrest, he took the disciples and he went to a place called Gethsemane. And you know the story. He told them that, Terry, you hear... And to watch. He comes back and he finds them asleep. And then Jesus tells them to watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He said, The spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is is weak can I tell you church this morning that your body if you didn't know it or not that you're living this morning and you're trying to serve Jesus you could just take me this morning and split me right down the middle you got a flesh man and you got a spirit man you still I don't care how saved you are you're still living in a fleshly body this morning and that flesh man wants to live and he wants to rule over that spirit man Every person under the sound of my voice. That's why it's so important. We say it all the time around here. Every morning when we get out of bed, we got to crucify that flesh man. That flesh man wants to rule. He wants to be a ruler in our life. And if we allow him to, he will rule our life. That's why it starts out with something very small, many times. It may start out as a small sin, but it turns into something big. Why? Because we didn't get up in the morning and crucify that flesh man. We just allow him to live, we allow him to grow. But it's time for us, church, as the church of the living God, this is the last days and hours that we're living in. It's time for us to be a people that will crucify our flesh. Amen. This is no longer a place for Jesus to be. You know who belongs there? I belong here. I belong every day. Jesus did his part. He died on that cross. He rose again for our sins. This is the place that I must die, as Paul said. Paul realized that when he said, I must die daily. Church, if we don't get up with that mentality and say, Jesus, uh, this morning my flesh man wants to go back to be the old man. I'm telling you, it's not an easy thing to be saved every day, church. It's not easy to walk with Jesus. This world will continually pull on us. This world pulls on us. But when we get out of the bed in the morning, we'll say, Jesus, I know where I belong. You don't belong. I'm not going to openly shame you, Jesus. You did enough. You did your part. You paid the price. I'm going to put myself here. This is where my flesh must die. I'm going to get on that cross. I'm going to crucify my flesh. Jesus, help me to do that. You see, the third time when Jesus came back, he found them asleep. He done told them, your flesh is weak. The Spirit's willing. He had warned them. He knew that they had to watch and pray. Something was about to happen. Jesus knew where his hour was coming down to. He knew it was time for those that he had called and poured into and spent the most time with. He knew there was a time coming. Church, I could relate that very easily this morning to this very church. Jesus has poured into this church through his spirit in a mighty way. I'm telling you, you hear it time and time again from people that don't come here. I believe Sister Brandy said it this morning in Sunday school. They don't understand. They come and and then they hear that it's like that every service and they say, what? I've never never been to a church. I don't know why it's like that here. And we can take it for granted. But I can tell you Jesus is telling us this morning, watch and pray, GFCC. There's transitioning happening all around us. There's things that are coming. Are we prepared? Are we watching and praying? Are we ready for what's going to happen? He's telling us church this morning as he did his disciples. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. A third time, Jesus came. We must also be watchers, amen, this morning. You see, these are unprecedented times that we're living in. We're living in in times that we have never been in before, church. There's a direction that this country could go in very easily we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know which direction. All we know is what we can trust in our Savior, Jesus. Amen. That's the only thing that we have to hold on to. We can't trust in man. I don't trust it if, if no matter who's in there. All I know is we got to trust Jesus. Amen. And that's what we must do because the season and the time that we're living in is very dangerous. B.H. Clinton and said this. I thought it was very good about the life of the cross. The life of the cross is all about death. His death. The death on the cross that Jesus did for us. Our death, when we accept Jesus, we die to sin. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I die daily. And this echoes Jesus' command. What did Jesus tell those who wanted to follow Him? If anyone would come after me. let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow after me. The cross was a public humiliation. It always represented death. Always. So when Jesus said that in order to follow him, we must carry a cross, he meant that something must die to ourselves. Guess what that was? Our rights and our desire to be our own boss. Because no longer do we have the right to be our own boss. If we're going to die on that cross daily, we become His. He's our leader. He's our ruler. He's our Lord. You see, our rights and our desires, we must die daily. Paul says, Paul saw a life as a daily death to himself. He experienced this understanding to the church, elders of Ephesus. I do not count my life of any value nor of any preciousness to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of our God. As leaders, teachers, pastors, and church acquaintances this morning, we've all been given this responsibility from God. Our responsibility is to die to ourselves daily. Every person under the sound of my voice this morning. You see, Jesus warned them beforehand in Matthew 26 and 31. Jesus said, all you shall be offended because of me. This night it is written that the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. Peter takes a bold stand and says, Though all men shall be offended, yet will I never be offended. But we all know the story of Peter, don't we? we must be very careful. You see, we've heard it many times. We go out to the jail and preach, and we'll hear people say that. They'll take a vow, and they'll say, I'll never turn my back. I'll never do this. I'll never, Brother Jared warned them with Scripture before and said, do not vow a vow before the Lord. You know what we gotta say is, I'll never go back to doing that by the grace of God. Amen? Because it's only by the grace of God that we can walk, amen, upright and holy and pure before Him. That's in everyone one of us if we're not careful we're all one decision away from going back to be the person that we was before Christ saved us only one decision church we've seen it so many times and it's only by the grace of God that we don't do it Jesus is arrested and goes before Pilate he wants to release Jesus but the anger of the people prevent him from doing so Pilate then passes Jesus off to Herod. Herod wants nothing to do with it, so he sends him back. We read this in the beginning when we read in Luke chapter 23. That's the story that we read. Along with the religious leaders, the same people that wanted to make him a king, now join in to shout, crucify him. Did you hear what I just said? Along with the religious leaders, the same people that wanted to make him a king, Now join in to shout, crucify him. John 6 15. The scripture says, Jesus had just, now he had just fed the 5,000. Jesus therefore perceived, Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king. All of the 5,000 that he had just fed, they're going to come and make him a king. So he departed into a mountain alone. Because Jesus knew in their hearts what they was going to do in the end. So he didn't want them to make him a king at that time. So he begins to go, and Jesus begins, as as this scene unfolds before him, the very people. Can I tell you this morning, church, if we're not careful, as I said in the beginning, we'll be the very ones. That join the crowd. We may go to church. We may we may be a part of the church. We may be a part of what God's doing. We may even get say, claim that we get saved. But if we're not careful, when the crowd begins to deny him and begins to holler and to shout out, crucify him, crucify him. If we're not careful, we'll be standing beside him. Young people, you listen to me this morning. Amen. I'm telling you that when you're at that schoolhouse, it's time for you to arise and not be afraid of being who God has called and asked you to be. Take a bold stance. Don't worry about those around you that want to mock you and make fun of you for serving Jesus. Don't you join in with the crowd and yell, crucify him. You take a bold stand for Jesus and you let the Holy Ghost pour out through you and into him. Amen. For some reason, we think that this is beyond us many times. But we may not say it, but many times our actions speak it. Turn to the cross this morning because this is where our hope is at. They, rele- <laughs> they referred to a murderer and they looked at Barabbas, <laughs> a known murderer and criminal on that day. And they said, release Barabbas. We want to crucify this man named Jesus. We know he's a known murderer. We know he deserves what's coming to him. But release Barabbas and crucify this Jesus. So I began to examine my heart. This question began to arise. I believe the Holy Ghost began to ask me this. What happened to the disciples? What happened to the disciples? Where are they while Christ is suffering on the cross? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 56. Verse 55. And that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out against a thief with a sword and staffs to take me? When I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. You laid no hold on me then. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Did your Bible say that? And all the disciples forsook Him and fled. I wonder what could they have done differently to be more prepared for this hour that had come upon them. To have withstood the pressure of the arrest of Jesus. All the miracles that Jesus had done didn't help any of the end, did it? All the good things that Jesus had done The miracles they had saw Him do. The demons they saw Him cast out. The teachings in the synagogue. The word that was in Him. Everything that He poured out to the disciples. None of that mattered at that moment. Something was missing in their lives. They were not prepared to die. As Sister Michaela once preached. I didn't know I had to die. I believe that's where the disciples missed the mark, Brother Jerry. They enjoyed being in the presence of the Lord. They enjoyed everything that Jesus was able to give them. They enjoyed seeing the miracles that Jesus did. How many of you enjoy the presence of the Lord here? Amen. I enjoy the presence of the Lord here. I enjoy seeing the miracles that God's done in my life. I enjoy the miracles that I see God do in your lives. I enjoy seeing the marriages that God has put back together. But I wonder when it comes right down to it, am I prepared to die if that's what it takes? I wonder. I wonder are we, church? I'm not saying we're going to have to. I hope we don't. But who knows? Who knows what this world's going to come to? Are we prepared to die? The disciples were not ready and prepared to die. They weren't. John 19, 25 through 27 tells us of one disciple and Jesus' mother that stood by the cross. I want to read that to you. John 19 says this. John 19 verse 25 Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved He said unto his mother, Woman behold thy son Then he said unto the disciple, Behold thy mother And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home The commentary that I read about this says this, that more than likely it was John Mark because it refers to him as the beloved whom Jesus loved. And it also said he was around the age of probably 15 years old. And so this may have been the reason that he was there at the cross because he probably wasn't fearful for his life as only a 15-year-old. So this, this brings out a good point. But in Luke 23 verses 48 and 49 The Bible goes on to say this, Luke 23 verses 48 and 49, and all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintances and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off beholding these things. So all of the other disciples could have been put in this group of people with the acquaintances. You see, the word acquaintances means that they had a relationship, that they knew Him, they loved Him, they followed Him. But now at this place, in this Calvary, on the crucifixion scene, they're standing afar off in a distance to watch their Savior be crucified. Afraid for their very lives. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, and we made reference to it earlier, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the place that we're going to have to get to, church, that Christ must live in us and through us. I've been reading this, this book, and it says this, Believers have authority to rebuke and resist the devil. If we rebuke and we do not resist we weaken our own wall of resistance. And the enemy enters in through the cracks of our armor. If we resist and don't rebuke, we limit the influences of our own authority. Authority in the Bible was always released by speaking. Jesus spoke with authority. Rebuilding, rebuking is what Christ did when he was tempted of Satan and quoted scripture that countered Satan's temptation. Resisting is an act of refusal to do what is suggested. <laughs> the enemy's going to bring things to you and make suggestions to you. At that point, you have a decision and a choice to make. I'm going to resist what's being brought to me because I have authority through the word of God to speak to the enemy and tell him to leave. Amen? Amen? But if we don't... Resist the temptation that's being brought to us Then we're going to fall into the trap of the enemy We must be able to resist And refuse to do what's suggested by Satan Jesus refused to turn the stones to bread He refused to jump from a pinnacle He refused to bow down to Satan This is how we resist the devil Resisting prevents us from acting And rebuking prevents Satan from acting, we're gonna rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. That rebukes him from acting, but his suggestion's still there. We better decide what we're gonna do with that. So we gotta do, learn how to do both. Amen? Rebuke and refuse. As believers, we must submit our will to God to enter into the new covenant and to enjoy the numerous spiritual benefits provided through the atoning work that Christ did. How do we do that? Every morning. We nail our flesh to the cross. Amen. Brother Russell, whoever's playing can come on. I'm fixing to close. Let me ask you this this morning. Ask yourself this question. Are you crucifying Jesus in your life? Or have you been crucified as Paul wrote? Many times we stand in the crowd and we yell, crucify him. Except for on Sunday. Are you living a sinful life? A secret sinful life? The Holy Ghost has already brought that out. Every time we do, we nail him to this cross. We beat him in humility. We take our whip out and we strike it across his back and we give him another stripe. Did he deserve it? No, he don't deserve it. He's done enough. He paid enough. It is finished, is what He said on that cross of Calvary. Stand with me. Let me ask you this. What about your gifts and your calling? Every time you say no to the Holy Ghost, you know what you do? God's given you a gift, giving you a calling. When you say no, guess what you do? You nail Him back to the cross and say, it wasn't good enough. Why? Because we feel inferior. We feel like we can't accomplish what the Lord has asked us to do. We feel like we can't do what God has told us to do. God is too much. It's more than I'm able to bear. I can't do what you've called and asked me to do. I don't want to operate in this gift, God. I wish you wouldn't even have given it to me. Well, guess what? He did. It's too late. You already got that gift. God's given it to you. Stop nailing him to the cross and begin to use it and flow and watch the oil of the Holy Ghost pour out in you and operate through you and signs and wonders and miracles take place. What if you're the key to the service for somebody's life to get saved and you don't flow in the gift that God's given you or you don't operate in what God has told you to operate in? There's three things that separate the cross and Christianity from other religions. Every other religion teaches that we earn our way to God. You can't earn your way to this Jesus. He's already paid it all. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You can't have enough talent. All you can do is submit your life and say, here am I, Jesus. Here am I. Use me. Every other religion teaches that there are rules to follow to appease their God. Christianity And and this cross builds a relationship with Christ Jesus. That's all we need is a relationship with Him. No other religion has an empty tomb. (laughs) Guess what, Brother Michael? On that third day, He arose from that grave. The tomb is empty church can you lift your hand this morning and thank him for being for that empty tomb you see Jesus Christ if it would have just been a story of how he was crucified on a cross we wouldn't have a whole lot of hope but when he got up out of that grave and he left that place and that tomb became empty that set Christianity and this Jesus apart from every other religion on the face of this earth there's not enough devils in hell that can keep our Jesus bound this morning whatever you need from him this morning he has the answer and he's here hallelujah hallelujah to the lamb i want to ask you this this morning i want to ask you this this morning if you're living a life and you say brother david today i realize that i'm lost without this christ i've claimed that i love him But the actions of my life, I've nailed him to the cross. And I know I need to put myself on that cross. I want you to be bold and I want you to come stand right over here this morning because I want to be able to pray for you specifically for your need. Don't be shy this morning. If you need Jesus to take complete control of your life, I want you to come this morning. Jesus wants to deal with hearts and lives. Amen. Amen. If you need to come this morning and you need to repent, you just say, I need to lay some things at this altar. Thank you, brother. We got somebody that's bold enough that the Holy Ghost is dealing with their heart. And you say, Pastor, this morning I want to lay things before the Savior and I want to get things right. I know I'm not doing everything that Christ has called me to do, but I realize this morning that this cross must be in its proper place this morning. Listen to me this morning, church. If you feel the need to watch and pray this morning you say pastor I realize this morning that there's some things going on in this world where we need to watch and pray then I want to invite you to this altar this morning find you a place to pray this morning in this altar amen thank you those that have come this morning I believe that God is going to minister to your hearts and your souls